Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Today we actually have um, a really special message to you on our values, our vision, and our purpose. Thank you. Good morning. Second service, I'll try to tell a joke. It's an old joke. I'm recycling it. There was a guy that showed up at St. Peter's Gate. He had a suitcase. Peter checked the roll. Hey, your name's on the list. Your name's written in the Book of Life. Congratulations. You made it into heaven. However, what have you got here? Because we don't let anyone bring anything into heaven. And the man puts his suitcase up on the table, and Peter opens it. And it's a whole suitcase full of gold. Peter thinks to himself, pavement. What do they make the streets with in heaven? Gold. In other words, the value that we assign it on earth and the value that God assigns it in heaven, (laughs) or heaven's just that good. (laughs) Okay, no more jokes. How many of you call this your home church? Okay, and for those of you that are visiting with us today, hey, we'd love to have you come and join us if you're in another church, stay at your church unless God tells you to leave. Um, Okay, today I'm gonna be talking to you about our vision, the things that we value, our purposes. And and if you call this your home church, you need to know this. So really um, a month from now, two months from now, if I was to say, hey, what's our vision? You should say, yes, redeeming our communities where we help God to redeem a people for himself from all peoples. That's Revelation chapter seven. So as, as a vision for the church, we wanna work redemptively with God in the earth. He does the redeeming. We take the message of hope to others. Revelation 7, 9, and 10. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation, tribe, and people, and language standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. God desires that all nations, every tribe, every kindred, every tongue, every language, every people group, every ethnic group, come together under the banner of Jesus Christ, lift up holy hands together, and we worship him. That's what heaven's gonna be like. I feel like when we come together as a community of believers on a Sunday morning, we get a little foretaste of what heaven's gonna be like, okay? We just have to get to the vast crowds, too great to count. We'll we'll get there, okay? But see, they were clothed in white robes. They held palm branches. They were shouting with great roar. Salvation comes from God who sits on the throne. So we, when we look at, hey, why do we do what we do? Well, we wanna work to redeem people from all communities, okay? Now, that's important. We need to know that. Can everyone say redeeming our communities? So if someone says, what's our vision? Right, helping God to redeem a people for himself from all people. Now, values, I I do probably tend to spend a little bit more, I'm gonna call it air time or pulpit time on our values here at the church. And when I'm talking about our values, how many know Jesus gave the church the great commandment? in the Great Commission, okay? So if you were to look at the assignment that Jesus gave to his church, global, the whole church, it was the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. These are the commands of Jesus to us today. So in Matthew 22, if you start working your way through that chapter, 
You see, the religious leaders are trying to trap Jesus. Now, first, they try to trap him on paying taxes. And Jesus sidesteps their trap and says, pay your taxes to Caesar or give to the government what they demand, but give to God what is God's. So in other words, your tithe, which belongs to God, we should be giving that to God. Then they try to trap him on the resurrection of the dead. Some of you don't remember this. In the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, if a Jewish man who had land that was assigned to him as his inheritance for his family, what would happen is he would have children, and then he would give that inheritance, that land to his son or sons. And what happened was in the law, it said, if the guy dies before he has children, his brother is supposed to take his wife so that there could be seed that goes forth and then there could be a son born so that that one can have the inheritance. Now the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they always fought about the resurrection anyway. They're trying to trap Jesus and say, well, if a guy has a wife and he dies and he doesn't have offspring and then his brother and all seven brothers die without a kid, when he gets to heaven, which of the seven brothers is she to be married to? Jesus goes, you don't even understand because there's not going to be marriage or given in marriage in heaven. Heaven works on a dis different system. Marriage was created for humans here on earth. I talked about that last week. Okay, so Jesus sidesteps their question. Then it goes into what's the greatest commandment? They think they're going to get them. In 2235, one of them, an expert in religious law, I love it, the expert in religion tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus answers, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second, a second, is equally important. Love your neighbors yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Essentially, Jesus summed up all the old covenant law with love God and love people. This is the great commandment. If you continue further in Matthew 22, um, it says in verse 46, they didn't even dare to try to trap him. They didn't ask him any more questions after that because <laughs> he asked them a question that they couldn't answer. So when we look at our values, the things that we value, I think it's really important that as a church, we should value the things that Jesus tells us to value, such as the great commandment. Love God, love people. Your identity, that's one of our values. It's a direct byproduct of your relationship with God. How you see yourself, how you interact with others, that's all gonna be linked on your identity in Christ. If your identity in Christ is off, you are going to struggle. Did everyone hear me say that? You're gonna struggle. You're gonna struggle in doing the things that God has assigned you to do because Ultimately, you're not going to necessarily have the confidence or the assurance or, the, or the, um, even the maturity, which we'll get to in a second, to interact with people on the level that you need to, to complete the assignment that God has placed on your life. Because your identity is very important. We were made to be image bearers. I've talked about this a lot over the years. God created us to be reflectors of who he is in the planet Earth, Okay. We were made to bear the image and the likeness of Christ on planet Earth. That's what he created us to do. Maturity is the next portion of this, which is a direct result of your relationship with others. So you got your relationship with God, then your relationship with others. 
You cannot, and I've talked about this time and time again, you can't have Christian maturity outside of other people. How are you going to develop in your love walk if you don't have anyone to love? I mean, think about it. You all know that I love driving. If there's nobody on the road, it's really easy to practice my love walk because nobody's getting in my way. Nobody's cutting me off. No one's slamming on their brakes for no reason. I just have to watch for the little eyes on the side of the road to make sure some animal doesn't dart in front of me. Oh, come on. But see, what happens is we mature, right? And we have every opportunity in relationship with others. We talk about God wants to redeem a people from all communities, but you know, I've learned something over the few short years that I've been on planet Earth. Every people group or nation or ethnic group, they come up with different solutions to life's problems. They solve things different ways and that's okay. It's not wrong, it's just different. And husbands and wives, how many of you agree on everything all the time in your marriage covenant? Okay, you who've been married for like a week back there. I'm sure you guys are still in agreement. I see you guys. (laughs) Everyone else that hasn't been married for just a week, how's your level of agreement, right? Because you come up with different solutions to life's problems. And one of you is gonna have to die to self and yield to the other or you will fight for years and years and years and years. And some people do. And then they don't stay married. (laughs) I didn't say that was good. I just said it happens. So we mature in relationship with other people. And then that leads us to the third value that I want to talk about right now. Mission, taking the message of hope, the gospel about Jesus to the lost and dying in the world around us. We do this through relationships that we have with others. If you skip to the end of Matthew chapter 28, Jesus gives us the great commission in Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the ends of the age. So, which leads us into our purpose, we equip the body for everyday discipleship. What does that mean? What does it mean when I say, well, when Sharon will come up later and she will say, Windsor Christian Fellowship, you've been equipped, now go. What does that mean? It means that the scriptures have given us some practical tools by which we can interact with other people, okay? It means that when we're standing here on this platform and we're communicating the message of truth to you, if we're doing our job properly, we're giving you the confidence and the ability that you can walk out the door and take the message of hope to other people. Because you're gonna encounter more people that need Jesus outside of the four walls of this building or six walls of this building than you will inside. And it's the community out there, it's our brothers and sisters that are out of relationship with Christ that we need to draw back into relationship with Christ. Came open with a synopsis today of where we've spent the tithes and offerings over the last fiscal year, 2022. And um, as you can see, the spending uh, moving into alignment with the vision, the values and the purposes that we talked about, uh, we're trying to communicate in that language to you. Now we know last year we took a little bit of a a financial loss income over expense. We'll adjust our budgets this year. That will come back. However, when I talk about that, I want to talk about Proverbs 29, 18. It says, where there's no vision, 
no revelation of God and his word, the people are unrestrained. But happy and blessed is he who keeps the law of God. When there's no, has anyone ever played sports? Yes? And how many know that on a team, you always have a coach? And the coach, his job or her job is to make sure that the players kind of work together and function as a team, okay? I, I, soccer is a sport I, I, I do enjoy, and my girls play soccer. And um, one of the things, I played soccer when I was young, but when I watch the little kids play, it's pretty funny. I can always tell you where the ball is because you see like 20 kids <laughs> follow the ball around the field. But as they get older and they gain understanding, the coach teaches them, suddenly they learn to play their position. And the defenders play in the defensive zone or the midfielders, they learn to transition between the defensive and offensive zone and the forwards and the strikers. Their job is to put the ball in the net. But see, what happens is as a team, they learn how to flow and to function together. The coach's job is to make sure not everybody does exactly what they wanna do all by themselves. So when we set a vision or a mission that's assigned to this local body of believers we call Windsor Christian Fellowship, we talk about that. Are you understanding? So when we look at our vision, redeeming the communities, really that's to the whole body of Christ. But in our church, we wanna make sure that when we're doing things, that's in mind. When we set values of identity and maturity and mission, why is that so? Because we wanna make sure everybody's focused and understands it's your relationship with God, it's your relationship with people, and then it's going and taking the message of hope out to the world. That should drive you every single day when you wake up as a Christ follower. Because how can you be a Christ follower and not love his bride, the church, your fellow believers? Or how can you be a Christ follower and not love the loss that Jesus came and died for, that you once were? Just asking. So what I wanna transition into now for the rest of today's message, which is about, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes, in a couple weeks on Father's Day, we take up a special offering. We call it our ABBA offering. We do this yearly. And people can contribute on that day, but they contribute through the course of the year sometimes as well. And I'm gonna say this. Your heart, okay, we are all born pretty selfish. And then Christ comes in and we get a generous heart. And then there's a battle between the flesh and the spirit from that point forward. So your heart is either going to lean generous or lean selfish. And it's most fully revealed whenever we talk about money or tithing or offerings, that's when your true heart gets revealed. And, and I'm going to go to John chapter 12 for a minute. Because in verse 3 of John 12, it says, then Mary took a 12 ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. And she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold on the money given to the poor. I'm gonna pause there and then I'm gonna come back and finish the context. So she took a year's salary in a 12-ounce jar of perfume and poured it out on Jesus' feet. Now, how many of you could take a year's salary and pour it out on someone's feet? 
because that's exactly what Mary did. Now, let's set the stage. A little bit earlier in the, in the, in the account, okay, Mary's brother Lazarus was dead and buried. Jesus shows up and calls him out back to life. And he comes out of the tomb and now Lazarus is alive, okay? Jesus is about to be crucified, okay? And she was anointing him for his burial, which it talks about in a little bit. Because on the day he was crucified, they didn't really have time to anoint him properly. That's why they came back Sunday morning with all the spices to finish the anointing, to finish the burial. Now, now watch. But Judas, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. I've been around a long time in churches. Okay, I pretty well grew up in the church. I got saved when I was eight. That's 42 years I've been following Jesus. Not without struggle, but 42 years I've been following Jesus. And this is what I want to tell you. Over 42 years, if I've heard it once, I've heard it 50 times or 500. Okay. There's people that have more money than you do. Right? There's always someone that has more money than you. There's like one guy on planet Earth that nobody has more money than him. <laughs> and that changes. But here's the thing. There's people that have wealth and there's people that don't have as much wealth. And what we have to remember is this. I have learned over the years, people that practice God's principles always tend to obtain more wealth over time. Okay? And then we judge people based on where we sit. Well, they have more money than us. And we make statements like, well, you shouldn't live in a house like that. You should sell your house and give the money to the poor or sell your car and give the money to the poor. But if you really believe that, my question is, have you sold everything that you own and given it to the poor? Because you can't demand someone live a way that you aren't. And nowhere, well, once I see Jesus told them, sell all that you have and give it to the poor, and he walked away. But see, Judas said that, not that he cared for the poor. He didn't have a generous heart, he had a selfish heart. It says he was a thief, and since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. His motive wasn't the poor. His motive was there'll be more money in the basket for me to take. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You always have the poor. You will not always have me. You know, we take up tithes and offerings. We receive them. Most of it's digital now. We do a lot of electronic transfers, as Kim was sharing, 32,000 in transaction fees. Uh, but what happens is, you know, we used to pass a bucket, and for different reasons, we stopped doing that. But even if we're passing the bucket around, how many of you, when you see the money in the bucket, are going to reach in the bucket and take some out for yourself? God's money that people are giving is a holy tithe. How many say, I would never do that? But I know a guy who might. We'll make sure we don't put him on the offering plate. But think about that. How many of you would say, I would never rob God? Some of you. The rest of you aren't sure? You think it's a trick question? <laughs> if there was a bucket of money being passed around that people were giving to God, how many of you would say, I would confidently not stick my hand in and take some money out of there? Okay. But if the tithe belongs to God and you don't give it with a cheerful heart, aren't you robbing God according to Malachi 3? What's the difference? 
whether you withhold it and don't give it or whether you take it out of the plate, you're still robbing God and not giving him what's his. It's a stewardship issue. Robert Morris, who's a preacher down in Texas, he actually talks about three levels of giving. The tithes, which is the basic entry point level of giving. Then he goes to offerings. And then from there, they go into these extravagant offerings. The kind of offerings where God walks up to you and says, give everything you have. Now, from time to time, God will tell you to give everything that you have. But I assure you, God has a way of making sure that your needs are met. And he always does. It's when we live obediently. Because God's not telling everyone in the room to give everything they have, but he might tell you that. And are you willing to do so if he told you that? The sad answer is, most would say, no, I'm not willing to do that. But if everything I have belongs to God, why would I not be willing to do that? It's very quiet. Now, statistically, we know 5 to 7% of all professing Christians bring the tithe in the storehouse. I'm going to suggest that's not true here at Windsor Christian Fellowship. We have a much higher percentage of people than the average that bring their tithes in the storehouse. And well done, Windsor Christian Fellowship. But it's still not quite 100%, which means 100% of the people that call this their local house are not bringing the tithe into the storehouse. Now, I thank Jesus that we have obedient, joyful, willing people that are Christ followers that tithe and give offerings on a regular basis. We as a church body, we actually take a portion of the tithe, as Kim talked, and we sow that out to missions. We sow that out into the world. And our eldership team comes together and we pray and we look at the list and we make adjustments every year and then we commit for a year to give money internationally to missions so we have seed in the different nations around the world across Canada so that we can have an impact in our nation. And we've been shifting money over the last few years from international missions to local outreach because the need is great. Okay, there's a lot of need in this community. And little by little. So every year what we do on Father's Day is we take up this Abba offering, which is a free will offering. And we don't want this to be by coercion and we don't want this to be manipulation. We don't want you to give emotionally, but by faith. Now we set our budgets based on tithe and the trends as, as Kim was talking about. And, and what happens is if the trend follows and the tithe comes in, then everything goes according to budget. Last year, it didn't work out quite like that. But um, We'll make adjustments this year to account for that in our budgets. But how many know there's always these extra things that can come up? No? Yes? So what happens is when the extra things come up, or there's special things that we want to try to do. Like uh, last year, we realized that our sign was looking pretty um, ratty. So we wanted to upgrade our sign, and we needed some better directional signs on the property. And so we did this sign package and the sign upgrade. And we raised most of the money for that, but there's still a little bit of that maybe outstanding that we could take out of the ABBA and we could cover with it. It's a special offering. I, I call it a capital campaign. Not everything's gonna be a capital purchase. Like the, the units on the roof that are about 40 grand when they, 25 to 40 grand when they break, um, uh, when you have to replace them. Those are like a capital expenditure. Accountants can do a better job explaining this than I can. It gets amortized over time. But um, not everything would be a capital purchase like that, but that's an example of something we can do. 
I like to talk about, we take a portion of the ABBA and we give it back to our community. We have partnered with, uh, I wrote it down, let me find it. We have partnered with Windsor Family Homes Coalition, community partners, sorry, Windsor Family Homes and Community Partners for their camp for kids, because they changed the name from coalition to community partners. But they do a camp for kids downtown and we partner with them and we bring food and we help them with their camp counselors and there's a certain budget that we have for that. And then we've also committed to do our backpack giveaway this year, which means that some within the local church and some within the community will take backpacks, fill them up with school supplies so that kids that maybe couldn't get all their school supplies will have that opportunity uh, to have them. So we take a portion of that money. Now, what I wanna explain is this. It's hard with ABBA to know how much money is going to come in every year. So we project based on trends and stuff and we say maybe it'll be this much. I can set a budget and say I'm believing God for 575,000 to come in through ABBA. You say, that's a lot of money. Yeah, but if you give 1,000 and you give 500 and you give 10,000 and you who can give 100,000 and everybody does their part, that'll come in. The danger in me standing up here saying, this is the list of things we would like to do with ABBA. We would like to replace this computer over here that's really old and not working like we needed to, or we'd really like to replace this, or we need to do this upgrade over here, or we have to renovate this room, or we have to do, I can make a list of things like that. And there's always a list. But what happens is if the budget's 575 and 350 comes in, then some of those things aren't gonna make the list and we just start working on them based on priorities. But people say, well, I gave to this. Thank you for giving to that, but it was priority eight and we only got to priority seven. I'm not trying to offend you. However, um, it's a great opportunity for you to grow in maturity. <laughs> are, are you understanding? Is this making sense? So what happens is um, there's a whole slew of things that always need to happen or that we would like to see happen. And I could even give more to the community because I know right now um, Matthew House, who we partner with for our big multicultural event, which we'll be doing in the fall, uh, when we bring in food from different cultures and everyone buys tickets. And I think we raised like $5,000 from Matthew House last year because they help the refugees, the foreigners that are coming into our land. And um, we partner with them on a, on a monthly basis and we wanna help them. I know they're looking for seven stoves right now, but if there's leftover money in the budget for ABBA, because we give about 10% of it back to the community, but it depends on how much money comes in because we've committed to the camp first and we've committed, are you understanding? So we can always give more if there's over and above that comes in, but when there's less, we have to do the best we can with what we have, just like you would in your household when you have a list of things that you want, but you have X amount of money comes in, so you only do this, right? And if you're not saying right, I have some concerns about your budgeting. So, going back to when we do this, I encourage all of you to pray. It's two weeks from today, so you have two weeks to pray for God to talk to you. And if he can't talk to you in two weeks, I have some other concerns. I think that's lots of time for God to talk to you. Um, but I'd encourage all of you to participate or commit to participate, and it doesn't matter whether you have much or whether you have little, okay? Luke 21, one to four. When Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. 
I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow's given more than all the rest of them, for they've given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. You might say, man, pastor, if I give $10 to Abba, it's gonna cost me my Tim Hortons for the whole week. My point is we all have excess in our budget. I would like to request simply this, and there's no coercion. If you can't commit to do it joyfully, don't. But in two weeks when we receive the Abba offering, I would like each of you to just simply commit to say, Jesus, would you like me to participate in this? And if so, what would you like me to give? And how you argue with him about the answer that he gives you. Because my wife and I pray separately, then we come together and have a conversation about it. And I just determined a long time ago, um, whoever has the higher number will go with that one. And I know that sounds really silly to some. And some of you say, but, 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 you're never gonna outgive God. He has a way of multiplying our seed. But I assure you, the tithe is the entry level that rebukes the devourer from your household. The offerings are where we start getting into multiplication. You wanna multiply your seed, you pay your tithe on a regular basis, and then you go into the offerings. The offering is where you start multiplying your seed. God has a way of multiplying it back to you. So, in two weeks, we will be taking up an Abba offering. Uh, I encourage all of you to participate whether you have little or whether you have much. And there is a principle in the kingdom that what you do with the little is what you do when you have much. Oh, if I had a million dollars, I would, well, what are you doing with the $10 that you do have? Because the trend is what you do with the $10 is what you'll do with the million dollars just on a grander scale. Um, so let's stand together. Some of you really triggered right now. Like I said, your heart will lean towards generosity or lean towards selfishness. If you're really triggered, it, triggered it's a great opportunity for you to practice your love walk in maturity. <laughs> Jesus, as we have the bread in our hand, I thank you that you provide so much for us. And we're so blessed, Lord. You provided air and food and clothing and sheltering, shelter. So many things for us, Father. You were broken on the cross so that we could be healed. Father, I speak life to our bodies. The cancer has to go in the name of Jesus, disease. That our blood is purified, our bodies are healthy, our bones are strong. Would you heal us, Lord? Even backs are being made straight in the name of Jesus. Father, thank you that you're aligning our health with your truth, that you died to heal us, that you were broken so that we could be healed. And Lord, I even speak to mental health, Lord, depression and anxiety and fear. Anything not of you, peace, love, and joy has to go. Help us, Lord, as we meditate on you and your word that we have the mind of Christ. And I thank you that as we partake today of your body as a body, Lord, that together we can accomplish all those things that you've assigned us to do as a local body, as individuals. And Lord, that you're equipping us 
with the proper tools so that we can accomplish the task you've assigned to us to take the message of hope to this world around us. In Jesus' name. Father, as we uh, celebrate the blood of Christ being spilled for us, we remember your sacrifice and we don't take lightly that you died for our sin, that your blood paid our sin debt. Father, for myself and my family, everything I have and am and ever will be, I owe to you who created me to be an image bearer. And Father, I thank you for my friends that are listening today, that you made them to be image bearers. We couldn't do anything without your blood that was shed for forgiveness of sins. So today, Father, as we release those who have sinned against us, we forgive those who have trespassed against us, as your word says in some translations. Father, purify our hearts and our minds that we could look to you, the author and finisher of our faith. And Lord, that you'll see us through to the end so that we can leave empowered and equipped to go and touch lives for Jesus. Amen. Good morning, family. Here we are again, joined together a bunch of ambassadors. You know, an ambassador represents the kingdom that they're sent from. Our job here as an ambassador is to bring heaven to earth. It's a great equalizer because 10% of a million and 10% of one is, is fair. And God has an abundance. It says the gold is mine, the silver is mine. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It all belongs to him. And he's allowed us to represent him on earth, to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. That's our job. So thank you, Pastor RJ, our bodybuilder, for equipping us and establishing us in the faith so that we know, we know who we are. We're never alone. We're glory bearers. God's glory is in us. And Pastor, Pastor RJ, in the last couple of weeks, when he had that light, the light was affected by those around it, but the light is in us. When we give our hearts to Jesus, he lights us up. So he wants us to take that light and be generous with it because you can't outgive God. All right, so you've heard the message. It's in your heart. Seek the Father. See what he would have you do. It says obedience is better than sacrifice. And sometimes obedience is a sacrifice. But again, the courage that we have is from him. We're well able. So Windsor Christian Fellowship, you have been equipped. Now go.